Oh my God. Fuck me. A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. I can do it all day long. Don't move. Hold still. The American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge. With oh yes, they are in charge of the guilty Fidel. <laughs> He was being Welcome nice. back. Yes. Hey. Welcome back to the Cold War yeah. show. We're still here, Ray. baby. Epis- still here. <laughs> Episode <laughs> 152. Wow. That's us. On this uh, day of our Lord Coronavirus uh, day right. something. I don't know what day it is. Well, for me, it's. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, but for me, it's day four, and I don't fucking know how much more I can take. Oh, my God. Day four of the. F- Wife and kids being oh, home. Leave me alone. Yes. <laughs> I love them. I mean, I love them. Yeah. Uh, uh, a, to, a, to a level. <laughs> to a degree. With, like, within, I like, within a certain space. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, I, I like truffles. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Tony Coniston and I walking around Sydney uh, the, the other day went to a rooftop uh, bar of a pub uh, middle of the day when everyone was working and freaking out about coronavirus. Right. And we had a couple of Negronis and ate truffle burgers. But, you know, I love truffle, yeah. but I can't have too much Not of it. Not every goddamn you know, day. If I have too much of it. Right. Yeah. 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 I get, I get it. Your family is like truffle. They are. They're the, the truffle of my existence. We're going to leave it at that. Well, we're recording this on the 20th of March, uh, 2020. Yes. Uh, we're both still alive uh, <laughs> so far. Oh. Sorry, I to my elbow. <coughs> oh, wait, there's nobody here. I was. Because I locked him out. Anyway. The, the worst thing about travelling at the moment, yeah, I was in Sydney for the last few days because we had a, the, the second and, as it turned out, last <laughs> screening of the film in right? Sydney. Didn't even get to have a screening in my hometown. They shut Son down the cinemas. Uh, it's a conspiracy. On the day I that told it was supposed to Like one more day, right. just like one more day, I could have done it, yeah. but no, they shut it down. But the worst thing is, you know, you, you, you know, you, you often need to clear your throat. You know, like <coughs> 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 yes, <coughs> can't do that no, anymore people, in public. The That's look. the worst thing. You get the look. It's the worst thing about coronavirus. I don't right. care about the deaths. All the uh, Great Depression it's that we're going judgment. into. It's just that yeah. it's the judge. <laughs> Don't judge. You have me. to walk around holding it in. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway. Um, enough enough of that. Yes. Um, that's enough for Tommy G. Yeah. I think that's it. We we've talked a little bit about yeah. family Go stuff. You're good. Bowling. I'm good. Right. Uh, we are going to start a new. Uh, mini series on the bullshit. No, nope. what are we doing? Cold War show yes. this week. Yes. Um, we're going to start telling the story of Josip Bros. Cool name. So so named because he loved his bros. <laughs> bros Bro- before hoes. That's right. Was Even his if model. Coughing. Motto exactly. Yeah, bros before hoes. Born the seventh of May. 1892, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Exactly, exactly. Josef Broz was born on the 7th of May, 1892, or was he? Dun, dun, dun. Because according to the biographies I was reading of him, no one's really sure. He was a peasant. Why? Who would care? 
Who would care? Was he born then? Was he born at all? Or, or did he just right. appear? Right. Uh, fully formed right. out of the side of a god's neck? Uh, we we will maybe never know. Well, you bring up a good point because uh, one of the books that I was looking at uh, reading was saying, look, everybody, you, me, Tommy G, Tito, everybody, nobody comes fully formed onto the world stage, especially if you're going to affect that world stage. You are shaped and molded by the events, good and bad, that happened to you as a child and as a teen. And as we're going to see, this guy, like all of the other um, influential people that we have studied throughout the years, you know, he had his good and his bad moments, but there were things that stuck with him. There were things that molded him. There were things that certainly drove him on a certain path to want to make the world, especially his country, his people, a better place, uh, a, a better taking care of people, and 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 that's going to be the same way here. We're gonna we're gonna paint a picture, and so by the time we get to the end of his life or wherever we get to, it's all going to make a lot more sense because he is molded by the very events around him, just like all of us, except for Cam, who I do believe was sprung from the thigh of a deity. I think. N- now, Yosef uh, Bros. People going, who's who the fuck's Yosef Bros? Why are we listening to this? Um, better known right. as Tito. Now, uh, not this Tito. Just listen. Now, that would be Tito Jackson with his uh, 2017 single, Get It Baby, from his debut album, believe it or not, in 2017, his debut album, Tito Time. Uh, Who's that? Oh, Jermaine. I think it was Jermaine. Go ahead. It's it it's it, you know it, 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 it's saying something it's saying something yeah. I think Tito yeah. that uh, you know you're one of the Jackson Five you're Michael Jackson's <laughs> brother big brother played guitar in the Jackson Five <laughs> and it wasn't until 2017 when people said you know right. what uh, yeah, yeah okay we'll it's, let you make an it's album time for a solo I think, album yeah yeah <laughs> world's gonna end fuck it when, yeah you get to make an album because you're the last Jackson alive hey. Uh, oh. I, I think, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. However it happens. Uh, yeah. yeah. What is it? I mean, I don't know. He probably had some good lines in some of those Jackson songs. Mm, um, did he? Uh, I hope he finished his tour because all touring now has stopped. So hopefully he was able to wrap that up in all four cities uh, that he went to. I don't know. <laughs> so, so across more cities than you and I get to go to. Look, if you look at this, oh, here he is in his glory days. It's him playing that riff. That's T. Right. That's Tito, Tito, man. That's that's Tito. That's women, you, but no, we're not, no, talk, we're not talking about that Tito. Different, one. different Tito. Yeah. He was named after that. Oh, yeah. uh, after our Tito. Our, yeah. our Tito right. is uh, the guy who ruled Yugoslavia as uh, as a dictatorship uh, for thirty five years during the Cold War and. He had six nationalities to govern, to placate, to get to try to get to work together. And I think generally it did a better job than most. 
And uh, despite being the leader of a communist party and a communist uh, government, uh, he survived 2,000 assassination <laughs> attempts by <laughs> Joseph Stalin. And, and right? And yeah. may have assassinated Joseph Stalin. <gasps> Fuck me. We, I think we, I mean, we told this story, I think. At some point on this show, I think we Is have. It it's one of those things where I can't remember if we told it or we talked about right. it or not, but he, he sent Stalin a letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, like 1952, 1953, he said, um, look, my friend, stop sending people to try and kill me. Um, we, we've caught all of them. Yeah. Uh, and if you, don't, if you don't stop sending them, I'm going to send someone to kill you and I won't have to send a second. Boom! And then Stalin died. <laughs> Like a year later, yeah. and everyone's like, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Hey, he learned. Anyway. So, but who, who knows? He was tough. Bros was born in Kumrovets, a village in the northern region of Croatia called Hrvatsko Zagoria. You're going to have fun with these names, aren't you? Oh, man. We're going to have so much fun with these <laughs> names, I tell you. We're going to butcher them. We're gonna love, dismember them. Right. Oh, yeah. we're gonna Daily we're gonna dismember. Right. Sorry. We're gonna rape, torture, and murder them like Catholics <laughs> launching a crusade on other Christians that they declare heretics. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Um, his parent had a ton of kids because they were good <laughs> Roman Catholics. Uh, uh, uh. He was the sorry. seventh right. of fifteen children. Ooh. But before you think, how the hell do you raise right. 15 well, children? They didn't have to because eight died yeah, yeah. in infancy. So Only you know. seven made it to adulthood. And, and like you said, his dad liked to fuck, obviously. Not the hardest worker in the world, but he made up for it by drinking. And fucking. And fucking. <laughs> I like the mix Safety's of energy for fucking. Exactly. Priorities. His father, Franjo, was a Croat who had... Uh, whose family had lived in the same village where Josip was born for three centuries, while his mother, Maria, was a Slovene from the village of Podzreda, which was about 10 miles away, 16 kilometres away. So this tells you a lot straight up the bat. Like these two, he's born from a, a Croat father and a Slovene mother. Um, so he was born right into the yes. middle of, you can imagine what that household was like. This is like, you know, uh, an Irish, <clears throat> having an Irish mother and, uh, I don't know, and a, and a fucking British right. uh, father, right. um, and, you know, just yeah. mortal enemies. Exactly. But you, one, his, the village that he was in was near the border between Croatia and, and, and Slovenia. And you get the idea that these two got married and had all these kids was it a big deal? And and were these people because they're poor, they're peasants? They're just trying to get along, so no one really cares to a degree what the peasants do. Ah, eh, go fuck your brains out, whatever. But you, you get the sense that there was some tolerance in this region because everybody's just trying to get by. Yeah, and and we're going to sort of talk about over uh, not in this episode so much, but in the next episode, I think we'll talk about the history. Yeah of this region because you can't understand Tito unless you understand the 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 region or, like the 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 complexities right. or, of this region or all the Jacksons. No, sorry, different, yeah, you need, different. Yeah. Sorry. 
And their, the and their father. Like, oh. <laughs> a firm taskmaster, if you will. Oh, yeah. uh, that's putting it mildly, yeah. <laughs> so they lived, the family lived on a small farm. They lived hand to mouth, very, very poor, as you said. And Yosef dropped out of school, aged 13 in 1905, worked on the family farm for a while. His father wanted him to emigrate to the USA, but they couldn't raise the money. So instead, he ended up working as an apprentice to a Czech locksmith. It wasn't just a locksmith. He said did locks, but he also did like mechanical stuff, repairs, all that kind of right. stuff. I do. I do want to throw in real quick before he did that. He was a waiter. When he he goes to the relatively big town of Siskat in central Croatia, he becomes a waiter. And a part of his job is he has to wear this uniform. And like you said a second ago, dirt poor. Sometimes they did without. It, it was fortunate for them that some of the kids died because they couldn't afford to feed them all. But but. From this job as a waiter, even though he only had it for a short time, he loved the fancy uniform, which is going to inspire over the decades, pretty much the rest of his life, this this love of suits, of dressing up, of looking sharp, because he's going to be fancy Dapper Dan for many years to come unless he has to truly go into cover. So, so he goes from poverty to this fancy waiter uniform, loves suits, and then you're right, he becomes an apprentice to a locksmith, and he's there for three years. He's relatively well-fed compared to his childhood. He has a bit of money, and as we're going to see, just like all the other people that we've discussed over the years, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, uh, Alexander, Caesar, he compensates for his lack of an education by being a voracious reader for the next couple of decades. When he gets some extra money, he, he either buys or borrows or whatever books, and he tries to really make up for the education that he could not get because he had to work to help the family out. You know what that's called when you compensate for a lack of education by becoming a voracious reader? No, what's that? It's, it's called doing a cam. <laughs> doing a cam. <laughs> when I was in Melbourne uh, last week, I went to the South Melbourne markets um, right. with my son, Taylor, and his business partner, Lockie. And I showed them the secondhand bookstore in the markets that's still there. Did I take you? The, I did. I took you yeah. to the South Melbourne markets, yeah. I think. Did I, and I showed you the bookstore, right? The famous bookstore? Yeah. And then we had some kebabs or lamb or something. Uh, no, that was at the Vic oh, Markets. Vic Mark, we sorry. had the lamb. Uh, there we had uh, donuts, I think, oh, at the okay. South Melbourne market. If we went right. there, that's the classic donuts. And um, uh, the other classic thing to get there is the. Um, uh, Chinese balls. Uh, what do you, what do you I call it? The, uh, oh, forget it. Fuck okay. It. Anyway, right. It's too early. It is. But yeah, you know, there, there was a, there's a secondhand bookstore there. Still, they're called the Merchants of the Merchant of Fairness. He's always called himself secondhand bookstore. I like that. When I was like eighteen, nineteen, I worked, uh, had a shitty job at, at a at Ford Credit uh, as a debt collector near uh, the South Melbourne markets. And every day I'd go there, um, walk around in my lunch break, go to see Rod, who's still there, still owns this place. Wow. And I would say, Rod, what should I read this week? And yeah. he'd go, well, yeah, what do you know about Napoleon? What do you know about this guy? What are you going to know? Nothing. He'd go, okay, take this, take this, take this. He'd go through his biography section <laughs> and he'd grab me two or three biographies and they were like a buck, secondhand right. books. Awesome. and Because I couldn't afford 
new books. I was sure. poor as shit, like Yosip was. <laughs> and he would just give me these books. Go, go read that. I'd go, I'd read it for a week, come back, go, great, what's next? I guess, okay, well, um, yeah, what about Ayn Rand? You ever read Ayn Rand? No. Okay, great. Read the, read the Fountainhead. And he just gave me, he, he was my, my, my university education. He right. just gave me books. Didn't go, he sold them to me for right. a buck or two each. Still. And uh, I bought, no, no lie, I, I reckon probably 800 books from him over the next 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I just, even when I stopped working there, I'd go there every weekend and just go, okay, yeah. what do you got for me? What do you got for me? The, and yeah. Um, I would just, yeah, I just, I, I built this massive library based on uh, him, him sort of handing me stuff. Yeah. No. So instead of hundreds of thousands of dollars at a university, maybe a couple thousand or a couple hundred, whatever, uh, uh, at this bookstore, my mm. my mm. favorite part of the story is the second half that you told me, where you took your son and you told him about that, and he goes, "What did he say?" Something like, "When did I ask or when did mm. I pretend to care, Dad? Why are you telling mm. me this?" Typical. When? Just when? <laughs> I go when? Thirty years ago, I guess. No, when? Well, what do you mean when? When did I tell you I gave a fuck about your <laughs> fucking stories? See the younger generation. Um, fuck. Yeah. Anyway. But, but, and I think I, I so I'm obviously told you this story, so I apologize. People have heard it, but fuck them. Um, yeah. So when I went, when I was shooting the film uh, at South Melbourne Markets last year, uh, I tried to go and get him on camera. I really oh. wanted to get him on camera. Right. Just, no, not just as in the background, yeah, just yeah, as yeah. to, to, to honor the role. But, you know, here's the thing like, you don't understand, like, everything that I do today, the podcasts, the book, the film, is all. Because of that guy, one guy, probably. He, he, I mean, I, I've seen him over the years. He goes, "Oh, Cameron, how you doing?" His name's Rod Cameron, actually, which is why he can always remember my name. He goes, "Oh, Cameron, how you doing?" Like uh, he met me when I was eighteen. I'm wow. now nearly fifty, and but he doesn't. I don't think. I mean, I've said this to him, and he goes, "Oh, that's nice." But I was like, everything I do, yeah. my entire life. And I really, I went back there the other day to say, "Hey, I got a documentary on in Melbourne tonight. I want you to come, free ticket. You're a guest of honor." Right. Because none of this would have happened without you. Without you, just uh, yeah. sort of being an selling books to me. You know? exactly, exactly. I mean, that's his job, selling still, books. But he was, still. but you know, he, he could have curated. Comic, he could have given you comic yeah. books. Could have given yeah. you, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> I remember he gave me Nixon's Nixon's right. memoirs, Iron Rand, like everything, left, right, middle, right. everything. You know, we just, all yeah, need read that. this, read that. We all yeah. need that. You, you should have said to him. I'm sorry, go mm. ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you don't know exactly. the impact that you're going to have on people's lives. Right. Um, to, just, just, just a kind word, a kind thought, D back, don't be a coronavirus. <laughs> and over the years, you know, that can that can go a long way. Yeah, you, you should have went up to him and look, I'm I'm kind of a big deal. And I just want to thank you. <laughs> I just want to thank there's, you for that. Look, so. there's there's twelve there's twelve people around the world today <laughs> who, who think really, I'm a big deal. Right. So All on their behalf. On their behalf. Mm. But but this guy is going to have to do for himself what Cameron did for you, be, Rob did for you, because he's going to be all over different parts of the world and he's still going to not let that stop him and he's going to consume books whenever he can. And some of the books he starts reading uh, this age, around about 18, is socialist literature. Mm. Because at 18, he finishes his apprenticeship, he joins the Metal Workers Union, right. starts working in factories, and he's a, he's a, you know, a labour guy, 
and he participates in his first Labour protest. He joins the Social Democratic Party of Croatia and Slavonia. Mm-hmm. And this is around about 1910. So he starts getting involved in the workers' movement. Now, keeping in mind this is early part of the 20th century, it's, it's uh, seven years before the Russian Revolution, uh, it's, it's four years before World War One, mm-hmm. and he, you know, there's this this big movement around the world of the international workers trying to figure out how they get more rights for the workers. Uh, capitalists are just, uh, you know, there's there's no curbs on right. capitalists anywhere in the world, whether it's. Croatia or, or the United States or Australia or England, people could do whatever the fuck they want. You got money, you can just force your workers to work yeah. 25 hours a day, eight days a week, and no one's going to do fucking anything about it. You can, you can have, you can have your workers. Sh- you could shoot one of your workers on Fifth Avenue, <laughs> and uh, you'd still get <laughs> elected good. president. Yeah, just, give, just to get the president, uh, just to give the police a twenty dollar bill, whatever. But I did want to ask you this real quick. So he grows up dirt poor. There are times they do without. He gets this for him, you know, relatively speaking, a decent paying job. He can actually afford to purchase books, and for him, life has never been better. Yes, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's working very hard. But it turns out that he has a natural gift as as a locksmith or as he's be, he's very mechanically inclined. So he is doing relatively well, certainly better than his father did, but yet he can see the drudgery around him. He can see that the people are being exploited. He doesn't have to care, but I think it's it's part of his makeup that he sees that people are suffering and they want more and they're being treated like crap. And so he does care and he wants to be a part of something that's going to solve some of these problems. Well, yes, but I'm sure there's a certain amount of self-interest in it. I mean, over the next few years, he moved around a lot looking for work. It's not like... You know, the, he was uh, living in a mansion at this stage. He was doing better than he had done, but he's still poor. Right. Uh, you know, he, he no. still wanted to be able to build a life for himself. Sure, but the point I'm trying to make is because of his skill, he can travel. He travels to uh, to Italy, to uh, to Germany, to Munich, to Vienna. Because he's got the skill set, he can afford to move around. And he's going to be wanted. He might be treated like crap, but it's not like he's a ditch digger or something who probably couldn't even afford to travel to look around. So he, he travels around Europe. He expands his horizons. He learns, because this guy is just a brainy cove, he learns to speak German fluently. He learns to speak Czech on his travels. He's becoming a be- better engineer. He's reading more books. And so this guy, is he's got potential, even if he didn't recognize it at first. But through all these, through all these different jobs and he's traveling, he is really developing himself. He's seen more of the world. And he's seen that it could be better, as good as it is for him, it's still pretty crappy, like you said, and it could be better if people were treated decently. Yeah, I, I didn't get the impression that he was traveling um, for fun, though. I, no, I got no, the impression no. that he was traveling because he, he was looking for, looking for work. He right. had to go to places that had healthier economies right. at that stage than Croatia did. Anyway, yeah, he gets he gets jobs everywhere he goes because, as you say, he seems to have a natural gift for mechanical stuff. He's Got jobs fixing bicycles. He works in auto factories, <clears throat> including at the Benz car factory in Mannerheim. Right. He works for Ostro Daimler, was often asked to test drive the cars. Nice. Um, and also during this time, he spends a lot of time fencing, becomes a master fencer, not Damn. like backyard fencing, <laughs> but like touche, uh, on guard fencing. 
and dancing. Right. Fencer oh. and a dancer. Because <laughs> yeah, the, the two main right. qualities mm-hmm. that you need to be uh, a dictator of oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, an eastern country is good at fencing yeah. and dancing. They're the two key things. And he knew that then. He goes, one day I'm going to be a dictator and need to be able to dance. It's my way into their hearts. And uh, not unlike well, his father, he is going to become a bit of a womanizer mm. and the dancing part probably helped. I mean, to be fair, right? when you when you spend your days, when he wasn't fixing bicycles, he spent his days doing this. <laughs> I mean, right. how can you not dance True. when you do it when I, that I, when that's going on in the background? I jumped up just now. I was dancing. Yeah. Uh, did but, you have pants on? Yeah. Uh, I don't have to answer those questions. And in May I, 1913, right, age 20, he was conscripted into the Oscar Os, Oscro the Oscro Jagagagan. <laughs> Does coronavirus make you lose your powers of speech? Is that it's one of the symptoms? The Not by the balls, the but by the tongue. The Austro-Hungarian army for his two years of compulsory service. And I'm imagining because of where he's from, because he was born in that empire where they are second-class citizens, he and his Croat comrades, if you will, are not too happy about this. Well, yeah, look, I think, um, as we'll see in our next episode, Mm -hmm. um, as you say, the the Croats, the Serbs, all treated fairly shabbily by the Austro-Hungarian. Basically, if you weren't from the Austro part or the Hungarian part, (laughs) yeah, you were... um, you were you were not uh, fodder. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he must have shown some talent for leadership because he was sent to a school for non-commissioned officers in Budapest. Nice. And then he was promoted to sergeant major. So even though he came from this poor background in the backwaters of the empire, mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's a he's a Croat slash Serb, I guess by right. birth. Um, they go, yeah, this guy's got some talent. At 22, he was a sergeant major, and according to some sources, he was the youngest person to ever achieve that rank in his regiment. Right. Well, I I think his work ethic from when he was young, even something like this, if you're going to do it, do it well. I mean, you had to work hard as a child to survive. When he was the apprentice, he had to do well or he would have been thrown out because it really was a privilege for him to be there to learn that skill. I think he's learned if you're going to do it, do it well, and that will benefit you either now or in the future. Well, yes, but... um... Leadership is more than just hard work, I think. You have to have a talent for commanding respect, Ah, understanding humans, understanding what, you know, you need to say to each person to get them to do. Like, I I obviously am a very poor leader because I spent six years trying to get you to do shit and it's got me nowhere. It's not you, Cam. It's me. Trust me. I just have to. I've just resorted to. Yeah, paying you money to turn up—that's right. that's all it is. You know, that's that's the only I told form you, of motivation. Set your bar low, and everybody will be better off. But no, you don't. So here we are. I keep expecting, you know, better things of you, and and I, uh, getting disappointed. I've read the right book this time, mostly. Oh yeah, okay. Well, you know, we got off. Of, we, yeah, that's a, that's a step. It's a step in the right direction. Um, I said before that he was the youngest of that rank in his regiment. At least one source I read states he was the youngest sergeant major 
ever in the wow. Austro. <laughs> Why am I struggling <laughs> to say this? The Hostro, the Austro-Hungarian Army, the youngest person to ever right. achieve Sergeant Major yeah. rank. Now, but again, I want to point out that a lot of the stuff that you, we know about him is kind of probably uh, propaganda that ca- he came up with during his years of rule. In terms of getting, you know, good quality biographical information, it's still a little bit dicey. Yeah, yeah. Now, then he won the regimental fencing competition. Nice. And came in second in the Army Fencing Championships in Budapest in May of 1914. So this guy's got some game. He's got no slouch. Game. Right. Younger Ooh. Sergeant Major in history, yeah. second best fencer in the entire army. And he's only like 20, 20 what? Three. 23. 22, 23 at this well, stage. He's a cunning linguist a swordsman, a dancer, mechanically inclined, and as you were hinting at a second ago that we're going to find out later, it turns out that his various set of skills, he is a natural-born leader. He knows how, he's a people person. He knows how to work with people, and when you throw in the fact that he can speak all these different languages and communicate effectively and efficiently with his people, he's going to rise to the top because that just seems to be who he is. Mm, I'm a cunning linguist. <laughs> Now, soon after World War I broke out in 1914, his regiment, the 25th Croatian Home Guard Regiment, was sent towards the Serbian border. And then he got arrested for sedition and imprisoned in the Petrovaradin Fortress near the Novosad, the current Novosad. Now... He gave he himself gave different accounts of why he got arrested. Huh. Um, he told one biographer that he had talked about deserting to the Russians. He's like, "We're all fucked. This is fucked. I'm going to the Russians." Um, he told another biographer, "Oh no, it was a, it was all a big mistake. It was a clerical error. Yeah, they were supposed to arrest Yosip uh, uh, Braz, not Yosip Bros, and it was yeah. all a big misunderstanding. Right. So there was a third version oh that somebody overheard him saying that he hoped the Austro-Hungarian Empire would be defeated and he got arrested for that. Because we have to point out that, again, the, the Croatians and the Serbs had no love. I mean, right. they, they weren't, woo, Austro-Hungarian Empire, you rock. They're like, fuck, fuck you guys. Right. You're, you're our, they're like... The Jews in Judea and and the Austro-Hungarians are the Romans. I mean, they're they're <laughs> right. They Come didn't on. willingly put up their hand and say, you know, can we join? Pick, pick me. Yeah. yeah, it's not like and, it's not like country joining NATO or voting to be made part of the United States. It's no. They, this is they were they, they were yeah. forced into the empire at, at the point of a bayonet. Right, and they were fighting against the Russians who. Generally, as we'll go into the next episode, were the you know the protectors of that region of the Slavs of that region. So they're literally fighting for the people they don't like and fighting against the people that they do like. I mean, how could you not be bitter? And if you have a couple of drinks, yeah, you're going to start saying some shit that you probably shouldn't. Although he's a Catholic and the Russians are Orthodox, mm-hmm. and as we'll see in the next episode, a lot wow. of the tensions in this area yes. come down to religion. Fucking but. He, you know, he had maybe uh, some kind of affinity with uh, the Russians and and their struggle. Right. Now, after he was acquitted and released, he went back to his regiment, served for a little while on the Serbian front, 
ended up getting deployed to the Eastern Front in World War One in Galicia about early 1915, where he had to fight against Russia. Yeah. Now, it gets a little bit murky here. In his own account, mm-hmm. he didn't mention that he participated in the failed Austrian invasion of Serbia. Mm. Giving the basically giving the impression he only fought in Galicia. Right. Uh, because it would have been sort of offensive to the the Serbians who he ruled over to know that he had fought for the Habsburgs against them yeah. in 1914. But we uh, yeah. do know that that um, that sort of happened. Apparently, there's other evidence of that. Galicia, by the way, is um, sort of Eastern Europe region, once uh, part of Austria Hungary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, goes goes uh, way way back. To... Settled by the Gauls, right? Huh. You know, I swear. Um, people that are familiar with the Bible <laughs> will know that there's uh, <laughs> Did one you... of Paul's epistles, the letter to the Galatians, right? I did want to ask. <laughs> Yeah. Did, did you read where he it, it says someone says or he gets recorded that he and kind of his uh, the men around him were good at going behind the lines, getting information, capturing prisoners. I wonder if that was more post spin versus um, his true talents, because, I, again, that would have been risky as well. But you never really know it's true, because obviously when this story gets told years later, he has to be careful about what he says. But it's hard to tell. Yeah, no, well, in 1980, uh, well, he died in 1980, mm-hmm. and after he died, when they had access to archives that got opened up, right. it, they apparently found that he was recommended for an award for gallantry and initiative for reconnaissance and capturing prisoners. And the story that he had told is that he commanded a scout platoon that went behind enemy lines in World War I, right. captured 80 Russian soldiers and brought them back across the lines. Yeah. You don't want that getting out. <laughs> hey, it was a war. Yeah, it was a war. That's true. Yeah. But still. Now, one of one of the biographies um, that uh, I read by Richard West, mm-hmm. he wrote that, Tito actually downplayed his military record. Right. Um, The Austrian army records show that he was a a brave soldier and, you know, fought bravely and and was very loyal to the Habsburgs, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. But, um, yeah, he he didn't want to portray himself as that. So he liked to portray himself as a bit of a rebel who hated the Austro-Hungarian Empire, et cetera, et cetera. But as it turns out according to Richard West anyway, um, he, he he took to it with gusto. Mm. Like a bit like it reminds me of um, Napoleon, you know, in the early part of Napoleon's uh, career, he was fighting for the Bourbon monarchy when he was right. a soldier bef- before the revolution. Um, and uh, then, you know, he, he sort of, well, he, he switched sides a number of times. Like he switched sides to uh, uh, go to uh, Corsica and fought against the French mm-hmm. when, he, when he was part of the Corsican uh, rebellion. And then um, when that failed and he got kicked out, he and his brothers got kicked out of Corsica, um, 
he, he went, oh, no, I'm French. <laughs> oh, no, no, really. I'm on, I'm on this side. Like, yeah. he's switching sides. Oh, opportunist. No, yeah. no. I was spying for you. You're welcome. He's an opportunist. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it just the way that he portrayed himself, uh, um, you know, later on in life was that uh, he, he never, I never really liked those Austro-Hungarians. But really, as you said, right. he was a hard worker. He was industrious. He actually probably fought well for them. As I said, he was uh, recommended for an award. Yeah. Um, anyway, he uh, was regarded, according to Richard West, by his fellow soldiers as Kaiser True. Kaiser True. True to the emperor. Oh, nice. He was a true believer, they, right. uh, according to the, the records of the army in those early days. Yeah, they don't just give but those to anybody. Yeah. Then he got stabbed in the back, literally. <laughs> <laughs> now, what year, I, what, when do you have that happening? Because I have the spring. 25th of, of March, 1915. Okay, so yeah, so spring, spring of uh, 1915, he gets stabbed with a lance just below the left arm. Now, I guess, I'm not sure I can explain this, but he gets taken to Kazan on the Volga, which is 500 miles east of Moscow. So he is taken deep into Russian territory and he's going to be in a hospital for just over a year. I mean, this is a serious wound, almost like Alexander with the arrow and the lung kind of thing. This is going to take some uh, time for him to get over with. But again, because he's there for a year and again, because he's a cunning linguist, he's actually going to pick up another language, Russian, which he is going to learn how to speak fluently. This guy is a talent. Yeah, but his own account of mm-hmm. this uh, event, uh, he describes it like this. But uh, you know, he was defending an attack. He says, "But suddenly, the right flank yielded, and through the gap poured cavalry of the Circassians from Asiatic Russia. Before we knew it, they were thundering through our positions, leaping from their horses and throwing themselves into our trenches with lances lowered." One of them rammed his two-yard iron-tipped double-pronged lance Mm. into my back just below the left arm. I fainted. Then, as I learned, the Circassians began to butcher the wounded, (gasps) even slashing them with their knives. Fortunately, Russian infantry reached the positions and put an end to the orgy. Gotcha. Damn. Saved by now, I got a little bit turned on there. I don't know I about you. Uh, thrusting, are you kidding me? I was thrusting, yeah. hard-tipped, yeah. orgy. No mercy. Mm. <laughs> Just anyway. <laughs> so, yes, he becomes a Russian prisoner of war and is he's there for over a year, 13 months. He's in hospital he gets uh, in secondary illnesses, pneumonia and typhus, oh, yeah. and learned Russian, talking about getting turned on, learned Russian with the help of two schoolgirls. I could learn anything during a threesome. Um, who brought right. him Russian books by Tolstoy and right. Turgenev and people like that. Damn. So, yeah, like, I'm just like, ah, oh, Russian schoolgirls coming every day. <laughs> Dot com. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but, but more than that. No, well, like, yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. listen, listen, you know, uh, 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 call me crazy, call me stupid, but that is the, the, like, we hear a lot in our Cold War episodes about cunning communist plots. <laughs> that 
is the way. Like, forget Putin doing... Like, like, Vlad, I know you love the show, Vlad. I know Vlad's a big fan, Vladimir Putin. Um... (laughs) Mr. Forget all all this, uh, you know, inter- the internet Spying, research agency and, and all the the fake news and all that kind of stuff. Listen, if you want to convert us all, yeah, just send two Russian schoolgirls to our homes, right? To quote unquote teach Russian. We're all gonna. I'll meet you, you know, way. Yeah, <laughs> we're all gonna convert. Well, I'll become a communist. I know yeah. technically, Vlad, you're not a communist anymore. Come on. You, but, you know. Whatever you want. Yeah, but come on. Yeah, listen, just send the Russian schoolgirls. Right. Well, I'll become whatever you want, quite frankly. Yes. I mean, yes, you, just, you, yeah. you just tell me. Yeah. <laughs> just tell me. Send two Russian schoolgirls to teach me Russian. Done and done. If actually, that could be their names. Done and done. <laughs> but, so... Besides these weighty tomes, besides the language, he actually does look around and he sees that one, these are fellow Slavs like him. We don't have to go into all that, but but they're they're ethnically connected. And two, he's seen that these people are commoners, they're 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 not very happy with their current system of government, the czar, and they're not happy either. So again, he he's he's seen he's digging the vibe of what these people who want to rise up and free themselves from tyranny. And the two scroll things. I think you I think you're getting the whole Slav thing confused. What happened is the two schoolgirls turned up and he said, uh, you got a little Slav in you? They said, No. He said, Yet? He said, Would you like some? But boom. And they said, Da? All right. He caught typhus from the his lice ridden fellow patients. Oh. So finally, in May 1916, he's recovered. He's well enough to leave hospital. Um, unfortunately, he didn't get to take Dunn and Dunn with him. <laughs> Aww. They had other work to do. Right. Their mission right. was not over. Yeah, yeah, they had to convert more people. Oh, they're busy, yeah. And he went south to a place called Ardatov near Samara, which is now in the province of Kubyshev. Nice. And got work as a mechanic in a mill. Yeah, it's a skill then, set. He's good at it. A few months later, near the end of 1916, he was put in charge of a gang of other prisoners because he's still a prisoner, right? Right, right. He's he's, he's didn't get let out of hospital. You're, you're free to go. He's a prisoner of war. Yeah. He's put in charge of a gang of other prisoners who were working on the Trans-Siberian Railway. Yeah. But what does it say about him? It's like, okay, look, you're all prisoners, but you, I don't know, there's something special about you. I'm going to put you in charge of all the other prisoners. Again, I don't know if it was that leadership or people he got along with people. I don't know. But someone must, must have noticed some talent and boom, maybe he was the best um, engineer there. Who knows? But he gets he, he's even going to be the leader of the prisoners. He's tapped for that position. Yeah, speaking of the Trans-Siberian Railway, bucket yeah. list, right? I really want to ride the Trans-Siberian Railway. That would All be the cool. way from Moscow to Vladivostok. With the two Russian just... girls. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. 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 <laughs> you just rock up and you're like... Uh, the, 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 you're like... <laughs> They're stamping your ticket when you're getting on. You're like, uh, well, uh, where, where, where are they? <laughs> where's done and done? Yeah, where's my two <laughs> Russian schoolgirls? I thought everyone who comes here gets two. Right. Ru- isn't that the? I paid extra. Uh, 
Cam and Ray told me that was the deal. You get. I want to talk to a manager now. I am most displeased. I want the back. First, but two Russian skill girls. Done and done's their name. Or their stage name, at least. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, you do have to take the train from Edinburgh to Inverness. That train ride is oh, yeah? absolutely magical. I swear to God, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was incredible. So I would love to do mm. that one as well. Obviously, it's a I've, lot longer. I've, yeah, look, I've never been to Scotland. And my plan, like Tony Coniston keeps going to ski. He does like the single malt distillery tour every oh, other year. God. By the, I of think, course but. he does. I've got to. I'm got to convince him to take me next time. He, he yeah. offered to take me last time. Uh, he went. He went like last year with his mate. Yeah, Mark. near me. Um, the same time I did. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And he offered. He offered to take me then, but I said, "Yeah, some of us have to fucking work, motherfucker." But um, <laughs> that's probably why he didn't go. Mm. He said, "Well, mm. if you're going to hurt my feelings, then forget <laughs> it." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so in March anyway. of 1917, uh, he kind of gets arrested again. I mean, he's already a prisoner. I, I don't know yeah. what's going on, but some sort of offence, and he's uh, he's I guess he's in jail again. He's not allowed yes. to work on the railway. They've got him locked up for something. He told somebody to go fuck themselves. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I keep when I'm reading this, I keep thinking of uh, Paul Newman right? in. Um, What's what's his movie where he's arrested? Uh, the cold, cold hand Luke. Right. I keep thinking of you know his attitude in Cold Hand Luke, where he just keeps uh, <laughs> talking back to right. the guy. What we have here is <laughs> failure to communicate. Here we go. I got to play that now. Paul Newman's getting dragged out of a car, beaten, dirty, in handcuffs. Oh, they're they're putting cuffs on his ankles. You're going to get used to wearing them chains after a while, Luke. But you never stop listening to them clinking. Because they're going to remind you of what I've been saying. For your own good. Wish you'd stop being so good to me, Captain. Don't you ever talk that way to me. Never! Never! Just beat him with a bludgeon. Damn. What? we've got here is failure to communicate. Some men you just can't reach. I don't like it any more than you men. Mmm. Oh, great film. Strother Martin playing Captain there. Uh, Oh, me too. I've got to watch that again. Oh, man. Like, I think it's time for a Paul Newman Movie night, man. I got to just sit there and watch all Paul Newman's movies. But like this guy, Strother Martin, died in 1980, uh, mm-hmm. same same year as yeah. uh, Tito. Uh, no, no, no coincidence in that whatsoever. Right. right. Um, born in Kokomo. He's born in Kokomo. <laughs> a friend. I gotta take a friend. I don't know what that Kokomo. fucking song was. Kokomo. Uh, it's in Kokomo, Indiana, man. Oh, okay, um, that makes sense. All right. He was in Cool Hand Luke, also Slapshot, another Paul Newman movie, The Wild Bunch, True Grit. 
Oh my god. Uh, yeah, man. Gunsmoke is in right. Gunsmoke. Rooster Cogburn. Uh, Beretta. Uh, Up in Smoke. Even. Oh, nice. Uh, what nice. a career! Like he, yeah. this guy was in Bonanza. Uh, well, I mean, everyone was in Bonanza <laughs> and, and Gunsmoke, pretty much. Like yeah. Clint Eastwood, treated. I think, was in Gunsmoke. Yeah, everyone yeah. was in those things. Yeah. The Virginian. Yeah. Every basically a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, every every uh, all of uh, Quentin Tarantino's favorite TV shows and films. Basically, <laughs> Strother Martin was in. If he had if he had been around, if he'd survived another ten or eleven years, right? Uh, no doubt, Quentin would have put him in Reservoir Dogs. He's, yes. he's that great. What yeah. we have here <laughs> is failure, not a failure. But failure <laughs> is failure. You know who else was, I mean, just for the kids who have never seen Cool Hand Luke. Right. Um, who else is in it? Dennis Hopper's in it. Really? Harry Dean Stanton right. is in it. Damn. Just uh, great fucking cast. George Kennedy, of course, is in it. Um, oh, I've just seen a classic. Years. Okay, Cla- we're gonna yeah, we're, we're, we'll both watch it at the same time. And speaking we'll of ourselves. Well, yeah. speaking of great films right. from the sixties and seventies, fucking Tony Coniston just like ruined my day yesterday. No, day before yesterday. <laughs> right. we, we, we're sitting. We're sitting in this rooftop bar eating truffle burgers, right. drinking Negronis, and he told me that Burt Reynolds was gay. <gasps> you son of a bitch. Did you know that? I said I told Chrissy over this day. She goes, "Well, duh." I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, the mustache. I'm like, come on, that's the manliest mustache. That makes him a porn star, not gay. Come on. Yeah. Um, You know, she reckons, uh, he reckons, gay. He apparently read a biography or autobiography on Bert. Bert's best friend, apparently his whole life, was Charles Nelson Riley. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know him? Yeah, love him. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, gay is a you know, <laughs> right r- row of gay things. I don't, I don't know. I'll wind <laughs> up. Like <laughs> non-Americans, not not familiar with him. This is what he sounds like, Charles Nelson Riley. And Charles, we're delighted that you you're back. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's for Richard. Richard. He's busy right now. Take a message. Richard. We're not leaving the show, but, well, what the heck? (laughs) Yes, Alan, everything I told you in New York is true. (laughs) Like, fabulously, you know, fabulous... uh, Just fabulous. Gay... Fabulous yeah. gay guy, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently he and Bert were apparently, according to Tony, Tony Connors is my only source here. Right. Um, but apparently, you know, Bert Reynolds used to like buy Charles Nelson Riley houses and give him cars and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Damn. Now, Tony Coniston, you know, looks after me a lot too, and we're right. not gay yet, mm. but uh, I you. who knows what could right. happen sure. if we get to Vegas at some time. <laughs> Your old stopping ground. How did I get onto this? I, anyway, <laughs> oh yeah, he's in jail. Right, right. Uh, what? What are we doing? What? what? He's what in jail yeah. uh, again. Yes. In 1917, and he gets news that revolution has broken out in Russia in Petrograd, where Hell he's yeah. been based, and in Moscow. And from his cell, he can hear the crowd outside shouting, "Down with the Tsar!" Ooh, this shit's real. It's really happening, and he's right there. And like I've actually, in, uh, the Tsar abdicates. Yeah, 
I've actually got uh, a recording of that. I, I don't doubt it. Get off Spotify, Fox! <laughs> a short time ago. In a ga- <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Fox is on his iPad. Why aren't you at school? <laughs> it's 9.30 in the morning. Corona? You are. I'm, pr- I'm trying to play something. <laughs> Stay off it for a minute. Go to school. Leave me alone. Don't try to out yell him. Come on. <laughs> Fucking hell, he did it again. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> you know, so the, the problem with, problem is right. <laughs> the problem with Fox is <laughs> yes. Not here is failure to communicate. <laughs> God damn it. Down with the king for years, about ten of them. Recruiting suckers back and make and make a man of them. Tears of fears for my peers, they ripping. You think that it is, it is, if not, it isn't. Race for the border, my daughter, cause beats you banging out. Jeeps rocking beats in the streets of the town for hanging out. Gather, or rather form a circle around aloud. Cause brothers or others could never ever rock a crowd. Is it because he's running off with the mouth? Or was he really clearly trying to play a nigga out? Nope, shut him down. The king with the crown, cause all you wanna be is dicky down. Down with the king yeah oh yeah still got it man yes you do never lost it take a smoky and as you can imagine you're in your prison you're hearing that yeah you're getting excited that's very exciting shit very exciting so he (laughs) (laughs) he learned that the czar had abdicated and a provisional government had been established and in the and the years he'd been in russia it developed a, a sympathy for the plight yeah. of the working class there. She said they were slabs. He's a slav. Mm-hmm. They they had a little bit more slav in them after he'd finished with them. But, you know, they... <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> he right. was working class, a factory worker, had no sympathy for the aristocracy or the, 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 the capitalists, um, even though, according to his, um, you know, fellow soldiers, he was, uh, you know, Kaiser Tree. Um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, really, he, maybe he pretended to be that. Anyway, once he got out of jail, he joined the revolutionaries, the Russian oh, yeah. revolutionaries fighting the Russian revolution. So, yeah, there's the revolution, there's the moderates, and there's the extremists like the Bolsheviks. And because of his sympathy with these people, he joins the extremists, he, he joins the Bolsheviks. Now, I don't think we need to explain this again. I mean, if you're a new listener and you haven't gone back and listened to our early episodes from years ago, yeah, shame on you. What the fuck are you doing? Go back and listen. But, of course, when the the Russian Revolution broke out, um, it was mostly the the moderates that ended up taking control, the Mensheviks, as they ended up being known as. and he sided with the Bolsheviks, which got him arrested again. I mean, the provisional government 
didn't really care about prisoners of war so much yeah. because it wasn't their war. One of the reasons the revolution happened in 1917 is because the the masses didn't want to be in the war, not our right. war. We, we don't care about your colonial war. Archduke who? Don't give a fuck. <laughs> Why are we in this thing? We're all just getting killed and we're not going to get anything out of it. It's not like we're going to see any booty at the end exactly. of this. That's it's cool. not like this is a not like this is a crusade and you're going to give us an indulgence <laughs> against all sins oh, at the end the of this. The good old days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're just man. we're just cannon fodder, no uh, trench trench yeah. fodder. Uh, right. Yeah, no, thank you very much. But the provisional government didn't like it when you were a foreigner, b prisoner <laughs> of war, b you side with the Bolsheviks. <laughs> but he wasn't in jail for long. He had a, a friend that he'd worked with in a factory who got him released and, and helped him get a job in Petrograd. So now he's a free man. Yeah, for the first time in years. And he gets a job in Petrograd. So he travels there by hiding on a train for several days amongst sacks of grain mm. on a goods train with a bunch of rats and uh, whatever else. Now, at the time, of course, all the Bolshevik leaders were still overseas. Again, we've talked about this on earlier episodes, but when mm-hmm. the, literally the night before the revolution happened, Lenin was giving a speech in Switzerland somewhere and he said, the revolution's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. Right. And uh, that's why Tony Kynaston says I don't believe in forecasting because uh, <laughs> you never know. If even if even Lenin didn't know when the revolution was going to happen, then uh, what, what what hope has anyone got of knowing anything? Uh, revolution was spontaneous. People just said, you know what, fuck this shit, and uh, sat down and said, we're not. No, we just went on strikes, yeah. and then they said, send in the army, and the army went, you know what, eh, we're with fuck them. You. No, fuck this yeah. shit. This is crazy. Yeah. Said to the police. The police were like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you. Ditto. Um, yeah. So uh, Marie Antoinette. No, that's the wrong revolution. Um, so they, uh, the Bolshevik leaders soon got back, though. Uh, Lenin, Germans uh, let Lenin travel through their territory to get back. They figured uh, better to have Lenin running right. things over there. Mm. And and he said, look, yeah, first thing I'm going to do when I get back is is end the war, you know. And they go, well, yeah. they're already doing that. And he goes, well, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, really going to do that. Yeah, you know. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then Trotsky and Zinoviev and Stalin, all these guys managed to get back. They'd all been in exile. Mm-hmm. And then they start as, but as the Bolshevik leaders, they started to organize mass demonstrations against the provisional government. Right. They need drama. And, they need confusion. Yeah. Well, yes, but they had differences even though, I mean, the provisional government wasn't all made up of Mensheviks. It was made right. up of, you know, various different members of the elite. Yeah. Uh, as was, it's like the Russian Revolution was made up of sort of the, the petty bourgeoisie uh, who were tired to try to take control, but the the socialists wanted it to be, a, a, a you know, a, a workers' revolution, mm-hmm. not a... Not a, a elite, not a revolution of the the you know the the rich white guys. <laughs> Again, that's not a we real revolution. Group, exactly, we trade one rich white guy for another one. Fuck that. We're trying to do the mm. real thing here. And the and the Mensheviks were like, well, listen, let, yeah, Lee, oh, look, we agree. We want it to be a workers' revolution, but let's do it slowly, right. non-violently. Yeah. Let's just we we can work with these guys, and then eventually we'll educate the people, and we'll have some elections, yeah. and we'll vote them years. out and vote us yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. And the, the Bolsheviks were like, no, <laughs> fuck that shit. Let's let's just get it done now. Now is the time. Right. Yeah. 
So they started to organise mass demonstrations. Demonstrations led to riots. Riots led to the provisional government uh, sending in the troops to shoot and kill demonstrators and arresting lots of Bolsheviks, including... Josip Broz, who yes. was in a demonstration on a march against a railway station that came under machine gun fire. Mm. Lots of people died, mass yes. arrests, and he didn't get arrested. He went on the run. I What about, I thought he was arrested and was being sent to a jail in Serbia, but he escaped. Is that not? That's after that a, this. Oh, sorry. So he lived on the streets for a while. Ooh. His, his flatmate... The, the guy like the guy that got him out of jail yeah. and sent him to work for his son so he's living with this kid uh, like right. the guy's son he's living with another young guy who's also a Bolshevik um, that his flatmate gets arrested right. so bros they know where these guys live so bros can't go back to mm. his apartment so he lives on the streets lives under bridges has to suck a few dicks um, <clears throat> eat a few you know uh, rats the usual thing you're very familiar well, with that you know you've been face. there. Right. Yeah, what we call it, it, the Walmart days of Ray's uh, life. <laughs> oh, you don't want to know the dicks and the rats. Anyway. <laughs> Trying to avoid the authorities, uh, and he tries to make his way to Finland, but Ooh. gets arrested on the border. Somehow, you know, they, they've got the word out. They right. know who he is. He gets sent back to Petrograd and thrown into a rat-infested fortress dungeon uh, called Saint Peter and Paul on an island. Now you know if if you're gonna when you when you're naming dungeons, right? Uh, naming them after Saint Peter and Paul, oh. I think is the Mwah. is the way to go. The yeah. Now I don't know if you did you have a chance to look into the Peter and Paul fortress in Saint Petersburg? No, is there a sex dungeon? No, tell me. <laughs> Today it's a sex dungeon. Oh, yeah, you can yes. go there, right? Um, and uh, you know. Couple of school Russian right. schoolgirls. They have <laughs> they have a um, they have a, a replica of an old bridge there with some homeless guys underneath it. You can suck their dicks if you want. Is it, they got they, they cater for everything. They got everything. No, yeah. it was originally built by Peter the Great, right in 1703, uh, and it's a star fortress. A star? It's a star yeah, shaped. It's in, yeah, star shaped. Ah. You know, kind of, like a rough star. Like it's right. got uh, little pointy bits coming out of it everywhere so you can, you know, defend it better. Sure. Fabulous. Look, I think it's on an island um, just off St. Petersburg, like a tiny little island. It's yeah. basically just a fortress. It's li- this little island that's just 100% right. fortress. Today it's the State Museum of St. Petersburg history. Damn, that's um, intense. But it was, a, it was a brutal, brutal jail. A lot of famous people... Uh, were sent there. The first person to escape from it was uh, Prince Peter Kropotkin, the mm-hmm. famous anarchist. Other oh. um, people who were sent there, uh, Dostoevsky right. was sent there, Maxim Gorky, Bakunin, Trotsky, and of course, Tito. A lot of famous it? people. Yeah. 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 If you look, if you were anyone, in uh, no, Russia, I want to be had sent to, to, to that. that. Don't you know who yeah. I am? I need to go there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yes, he gets sent to the dungeon of Peter and Paul. Now, but at this stage, he could talk fluent Russian, and he's a Slav, right? And at first, the uh, like the the 
prison guards there refused to believe he was even a foreigner. But eventually they believed him and he was sent under guard to a camp in Siberia. Damn. I guess he convinced him. Yeah. Yeah. But showing his uh, brand yes. of engineering. His- <laughs> J.B. Yosef uh, Bros actually stood for James Bond, Tito. When, that, when the train stops to take on more people, he asked his guard for permission to get some water to make tea. Oh, come on. They said, sure, you know, what could possibly happen? He uh, quickly uh, fashioned a, a fake beard and a Groucho Marx nose and glasses out of uh, toothpicks and a right. dead rat. Right. Yeah, that he that he <laughs> managed to capture. And, well, it's, you know, you skin the rat with the sure. paperclip. Yeah. Then Sounds you the fashion right. the skin of the rat, the fur of the rat. Mm-hmm. You just you, you with the paperclip, you just jab a little hole in it like a mouth-sized yeah. hole, right. and the blood is sticky enough that you paste the sticky rat flesh on right. your... Well, you might you might need to know this. Well, the way the US is going at the moment... I need this. It's about to collapse. We're going to talk about this on the bullshit filter later today, but it's about to collapse into, like, just civil war over there. Right. You might need to know how to disguise yourself with rat flesh. So I want right. you to listen carefully. I'm listening. Then you paste the rat flesh over your face. You might need something... You might need to come up with something that's like a glue, something that's sticky <laughs> and viscous. Give me a second. That... Actually, give me 20 seconds. Do you need me to talk about Russian schoolgirls again for a minute? It wouldn't hurt. It would just speed up the process and well, done. Getting stabbed with a long, hard lance. <laughs> uh, you, you, you stick that over right. your face and, you know, most people in dim light... Right. No, you know, can't can't tell the difference between that and a real beard. Anyway, he managed to jump onto a different train and oh. later on it stopped and a cop got on, a gendarme got on and mm. asked him if he'd seen an escaped prisoner. And he replied in fluent Russian that he had basically said, Yet, comrade, yet. He did, he did, 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 did my style in the Paris, yet, my friend. No, I have not seen him. And the guy said, oh, thank you very much, Comrade. By the way, uh, I like your beard. It is uh, very fashionable. Uh, uh, what do you call it? The rat beard. I call it the rat. Uh, it's a very interesting style. It's not the big uh, flourishy mustache. It's yeah. very thinly. Yeah, I like it. I, I you know, I've, it's on. <laughs> Comrade Hitler, uh, I met him uh, fighting against the Germans. He has a very small one, but I like your big one. It's very yes, nice. Yes. A yeah. um, couple of days later, his train was stopped and boarded by an armed mob. They announced they were Bolsheviks and that the Bolsheviks had taken over the country. This is November yeah. 7th, 1917. They're searching the train for fugitive members of the bourgeoisie. Yosip manages to convince them that he's on their side. They said, but you have a beard. He goes, no, the no. beard is not real. <laughs> Right. And like Julius, Caesar, like Julius Caesar with King Juba, they right. pulled on his beard <laughs> and it actually came off. Aha! Right. They said, what's the white sticky stuff? Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't pay any attention details. to that. Details. <laughs> uh, and he then spends the next three years fighting as part of the Red Guard Damn. 
down. in Russia for the Bolsheviks. He ends up in Omsk, which had been uh, retaken by the Whites in mm. 1918. He gets forced to go into hiding. Uh, Omsk, by the way, is uh, right on the the distant uh, sort of border of uh, Russia, mm-hmm. on the on the border of Russia and what's that? Uh, China, Mongolia. Uh, I don't know. Way over the, there. The st- <laughs> That's helpful, right? Yeah, I thought it was to the south. What's that? Kazakhstan. It's on the border of Kazakhstan today, so just a little bit west of Mongolia, but mm. out, you know, on the on the on the on the, Way the fuck boonies. Yes, yeah. yeah, sending the yeah. boonies. So he's sent out to Omsk. Um, the whites recaptured the white army. He's forced to go into hiding, and he gets hidden <laughs> by another beautiful Russian schoolgirl. Oh. He says to her, do you have any love in you? She says, no, I don't know. He goes, would you like some? She said, yes. 17-year-old Russian schoolgirl, also a Bolshevik. <laughs> what about Bolshevik Russian schoolgirl? That's the name of my I sex want. tape, right? Her name was Pelagia Bielosnova, a.k.a. Polka. Out of Polka. Yeah. Poker. Yeah. He's like, hey, what did you do? A poker. And they fell in love. But then Aww, the whites oh in Omsk found out about him and they were hunting him. So he had to flee and he crossed over the border and fell in with the with a tribe of Mongol nomad, nomad horsemen Damn. known as the Kyrgyz. Right. What do you know about the Kyrgyz people, Ray? I I just know they're on the nearby steps, but that is all I know. Horsemen. But they do have a new motor mill, but I don't know anything about them. (laughs) Well, the Kyrgyz people are the people from which Kyrgyzstan gets its name. So if you look at your, uh, your map of the world there, you've got Russia, you've got Kazakhstan to the south, to the south of that today is Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, all the stands. Then below that, you've right. got your Afghanistan, your <laughs> Pakistan. So, yeah, yeah, the Kyrgyz people were this uh, Mongol people, basically, that, uh, uh, yeah, nomadic horsemen. Um, been around for a long, long time. Uh, you may have heard of some of their famous, uh, famous people, the, the Scythians, Ray. The Scythians mm. we've talked about in our old Alexander series. Right. Basically turned into the Kyrgyz people. Right. Intense people. Yeah. yeah. Is, is he the original um, Forrest Gump? Because I feel like this is like the fourth or fifth, fifth life that he has led. Different country, different language, yeah. but there's always a woman around. Well, Good God. Yeah, so he, he falls in with the chief of this tribe. Chief has got thousands of horses, 20 wives, 100 children. Jesus Christ. Right. And Yosip learns to speak their language because he's, he's... Of course he does. He's a cunning linguist, as you said, and... <laughs> He gets a job. The, the, the tribe had recently acquired a mechanical mill to grind mm. their wheat into flour, he, and they don't know how to operate it. He goes, let me look at that. Yeah. Oh, a piece of cake. I got this. Yeah, I got yeah. this. I got so, this, boss. Um, 
So they're basically giving me, he gets to travel with the tribe um, right. and, you know, just to keep all their mechanics up. They think he's like a, is some sort of black magic. He knows how to do all this shit. <laughs> right. And they're so impressed with his abilities, not only to maintain the machinery, but his skill as a horseman, his leadership yes. capabilities. He eventually becomes the second most powerful man in the tribe, second only to the chief. Damn. Damn. Like an amazing, what an amazing life this guy has. Yeah. Everywhere he goes, he's yeah. just, yeah, I got this. You know, he just blends in, <laughs> takes over, re- reinvents himself. Yeah. And the yeah. chief wanted him to marry one of his daughters and stay with them forever. Now, of course, we're getting all of this, I assume, from Tito's own accounts. It's not like they track down, historians what? track down the chief of this tribe and go, do you remember uh, so tell me yeah, about this the- guy, <laughs> you know? Oh, yes, I remember him. I wanted him to stay with us. But it's a great story. But so no. the chief wanted him to marry yes. one of his daughters and, you know, be his successor, stay with them forever. But bros... Turned him down. I must go. You know who he right? It's right. he's um fucking uh, a man called Horse. That's who he is. Yeah. Um, I was going to say little big man Dustin Hoffman. Oh, I never saw that. Who had? Oh yeah, he had a bunch of different careers in one film: American uh, Indian gunfighter, uh, tonic salesman. He had a whole bunch of different careers. Uh, and that's what he reminds me of as well. Tito does. Oh, the only thing I remember of a man called Horse, Richard Harris film, 1970, is there's a scene yeah. where he gets, they put like spikes through him in some sort of, is it an initiation ceremony? He gets spikes with ropes and he gets pulled up into the air or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's a hell of a I don't of know if that was an initiation ceremony or torture or what it was, but I can't yeah, remember. Or foreplay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. So Bro says, no, I'm sorry. I love you all, but yeah. I have a mission. I must go back to my right. people. But he learned their language, wore their dress. He's like Lawrence of Mongolia, basically, this guy. Like he just adapts <laughs> in. Like to go what? hunting wolves with them, would sit around the fire at night drinking some sort of horse piss and telling stories. <laughs> oh, the good old days. He'd say, I don't remember yeah. when I was a child in the tribe and we would go and they go, dude, you, you've only been with us for three months. <laughs> you just got here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Previous Listen, life. Don't, don't anyway. let facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> Eventually, somehow he gets news that the Bolsheviks have recaptured Omsk and he returns, yes. goes searching for Poker, and right. he, who had also had to flee because she was a Bolshevik, right. found her, right. poked her, married her, Aww. and in 1920, he and right. Polka Dot finally returned back to, from, to po- Petrograd and then back to his home country. He'd been away for five years. Damn. Uh, and, and he returns as a Bolshevik revolutionary, with a Bolshevik revolutionary bride, and he knows how to kill a wolf with his bare hands. Tell me, that's not going to be helpful. Yeah, he's ready to spread the word and bring the communist revolution to his country. He's seen it in Russia. It fucking worked there, even though it was messy. It's now time to bring that shit home. Did you know anything about Tito? Have you covered him in your World War II show? No. Fucking no. No. I, no I d- yeah. I, in fact, I got too many notes, stuff that, you know, little things here and there, just because I found it so fascinating. This guy was freaking incredible. Yeah. And he's still got a long way yeah. to go. I, like you, I knew nothing really about him apart I knew who he was and that he reigned for 30-odd years, knew nothing about him. Yeah. I'm reading this story going, 
I'm doing all my notes on a plane somewhere, you know, I'm like, fucking hell. I just wanted to talk to the guy next to me, but I was worried he had coronavirus. Hey, hey, yeah. hey wake up. Yeah. What, an incre- what an incredible story. Incredible. Yeah, great yeah. story. <laughs> That's what he's, as you say, he's, he's only getting started. He's only like 25 at this yeah. stage. He's just getting started. He's got... All right. Well, but listen, as I said earlier, you cannot really understand Tito's story and the importance of what he did in Yugoslavia uh, without understanding a little bit of the religious and ethnic history of Yugoslavia. And that is what we're going to do in our next episode. We're going to go back, baby, back to the dawn of time as we are wont to to do. But that uh, will be next time uh, because... You're not making any friends here. Oh, I was thinking white people. Sorry, I feel bad now. Has descended across the continent. Two hammer. There's pile driver, the sledgehammer. Of the Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases. Can-